0: We finished last week by talking about five steps to fulfilling your vision, and these are powerful steps. They're not, they sound so simple, but man, if you plug them into your life, it changes everything. First of all, you have to know that God has a vision for you. It's very specific what God has for you to do on this earth. Everything has already been laid out right? You understand as you read the word of God that not only does God have a vision for you, but God literally, his plan is to fulfill a purpose in everything that he's created. Everything. God does everything with purpose. There is no extra just fluff. When you see that, I know for me, it really makes me Just go, wow, God, not only have you given me this purpose, but you fulfill your purpose in everything, which means you're going to fulfill your purpose in me. And then you realize, number three, that God has given you this vision. He has this purpose for your life, and he has given it to you not to tease you, Right? To where, you know, the carrots out in front of you and you just never, never see it through. No, God's vision and God's purpose for you, he, he 100% expects it to be manifested in this time, in the season of your life. So everything that God has placed in your heart, the, the way a Christian life is, you are to walk out every desire of your heart until you are satisfied and then you go home. That with long life will I satisfy him and I will show him my salvation, God says. But not only does he want it manifested in your life, this is the second piece of this step, of step number three. You have to realize that God doesn't ever start anything in this natural realm until he has already finished it in eternity. So everything, everything that you will ever need in life, everything is already yours. He said, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Psalm 23, it gives a picture. He says he prepares a table before us Notice it's not behind us. God doesn't want us looking behind us. But but do you notice that? The table in Psalm 23, it's not behind you. It's not even beside you. It's before you. In other words, as you walk, it's not like, like right now, you know, when we eat here on Wednesday nights sometimes or when we get together in fellowship, we walk up to a table that's sitting there. But that's not the way this table is. This table is right before you all the days of your life. And every time you need something, you have to realize it is already done. The spirit realm is more real than the physical realm. Everything in the physical realm was created by the things in the spirit realm. All the the healing that you're believing God for is right in front of you on the table. It's already been done. The money that you need, everything that you need to fulfill God's plan, purpose, and vision for your life. Man, don't fret if you're single, wondering if you're ever going to meet the guy or meet the girl. Don't fret when you're getting out of high school what you're supposed to do. Don't fret when you're in college that God will let you know. Or or you get out of high school and God's like, listen, this is what I want you to do. You're not going to go to a four-year university. You're going to do this. And here's the thing. It's one step at a time. But God already tells you, listen, I've got your back. Jesus said, I'm not only the initiator of your faith, but I am the developer and completer of your faith. What what does it look like when faith is initiated? You're in the beginning of a battle or believing God for something, and the word of God comes to you, and now faith comes to you, right? And now all of a sudden, now you see the purpose that God has for you. If you're sick, you'll see yourself well. If you're in lack, you'll see yourself not in lack. Whatever it is, if you're if you have something in your heart to do, all of a sudden you'll start to see it, and your faith will begin to bring. It'll begin to go to work to build that blueprint that it sees to bring it into this realm. And so, not that, your faith was initiated right there. Now, as you walk. The fight of faith is to stay at rest how do you do that by keeping the word in your heart and keeping it coming out of your mouth and what happens is that enables you to take everything you need off that table and bring it into this realm so now your faith is developing but eventually that blueprint is built eventually the hvac system is done we don't have to believe god for that anymore it's it's over Right? We know it. We're, we're like, okay, I'm experiencing heat, and there's no temporary stuff in here. We can see it, so our faith, it's completed. Right? But guess what? As you're walking through life, while your faith is being developed and then completed in one area, it might be initiated in another area. So do you see that? It's, so you're constantly, this, this is why... The children of God, the justified ones, the ones who've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus through faith in that name. That's why we walk and live by faith. We can't do anything else. Does that make sense? That's why having the word first place is not optional. I mean, unless you like to walk in darkness... If you're you're not in the word right now, just go home and go in your closet and shut the door and just stand there and go, this is the way I'm living. You have to do that because you'll think you can see stuff because you're walking around, but you're only seeing natural stuff that will only lead you to death. So God's given you a vision to manifest in your lifetime, but it's already been completed in eternity. Right, And then you have to understand step number four. What is the key to your vision? Is that the will of God is as far as the desires of your heart. That's how you know God's will for your life. Because you'll have this desire. As you're delighting in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. They're expressions of his will for your life right? I mean, it, it, that's just the way it works. We walked in this building in 2012, and all of a sudden, a desire came up in us, and we're like, wait a minute, this is our building, right? I mean, I, mean, I see the back of my wife's head thirty-two over 32 years ago, in church, and I don't even see her face. I don't see anything but the back of her head. But yet, a desire comes up, and God tells me, There's your wife. And you talk about the desires of your heart. For 32 years, God's been showing me. Oh, and here's another part of Jeanette. Wow. That's how, because why? Because every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. In whom there is no variableness that means what he's done for one he'll do for all God's got a plan for you and you and you understand that in the middle of chaos in the middle of the valley of shadow of death in the middle of all hell breaking loose in your life you are in the kingdom of God you are in peace you're walking in joy in the strength of the Lord, being led by the spirit of the Lord. So you're, you're like Jesus asleep in the boat as the boat is filling with water because you're not concerned. It looks like in the natural it's going down, but there is no way that storm could have taken out that boat because you have God's word. Jesus had his father's word and he told his disciples, we're going to the other side. There is no storm that could have taken that boat down. That's why Jesus wasn't, he wasn't concerned. He was asleep. In other words, he was at rest. His father spoke, he heard. Faith was birthed. Then he spoke, and then he acted. Okay, I'm going to rest a little bit. The highest expression of faith is rest. Why? Where you're fully fully persuaded it's already done. I don't care what the doctor says. I'm thankful for the doctor because now I know what I'm facing. But when he says there's no way out, I, I could look at him and go, okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that, knowing that he's limited to natural knowledge. I'm not as a child of God. I'm limited only to the limitation of the vine that I'm attached to, which is Jesus. And guess what? There is no limit to that vine. If there's no way, he'll make a way. If the door can't be opened, he will open it. If the door needs to be shut and no man can shut it, he'll shut it. I am in him. I am living in him. These are, so that's four steps. And then step number five, you've got to realize that your personal vision, the personal purpose for your life has to be attached to something else. It has to be attached to something bigger because your vision is not for you to fulfill alone. Right? God will never give you, his plan and purpose for your life is not just for you only. Right? It'll take other people to help you. You need to be connected to a bigger vision. That's why it's very important where you are planted in a local church. Not any local church where God wants you planted. That's why where you live is, I mean, you have to, when you're looking for a house, you don't look for a house that you like only. You look for a house that you like under the context of I'm going to live wherever God wants me to live, right? Because I understand everything about my life has a purpose, everything, right? I mean, you think about this HVAC system. The Lord specifically told me what company to go for. You know how many, do you know how many times they did a job our big, as big as ours? Yeah, accounting this one, it's one. <laughs> Never done a job this big. The third party inspector that looked at their work could, it was just was amazed, wasn't he? He said, This this is amazing, the job that they did. Henry, who knows so much about HVAC stuff. Would would go down there and look and go, hey Pastor, they're they're really doing it right. But why? Was it just so that we can save a hundred grand and get it started early? Why did we use this company? Do you think that maybe that God had us use this company? Because these owners are believers and they're wanting to grow their company. And guess what? They just sowed into really good ground. And I believe they're going to see a marked increase to the point that even every employee of that company, I believe every employee of that company who does not know God will know God. Because it'll be so profound. See, it's not just for us. They didn't put that in here just for us. Everything that in your life, when you go to a restaurant, that server is not just there to serve you food. You are there to serve them. By, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You start to make yourself available to that and people will not forget you. Right? They won't. Why? Because it's the presence of God that affects them. You are now living your life, fulfilling your purpose and I'm telling you, the glorious thing about this is when you start this process, you begin to see who you are. Not who you think you are, but who you really are in Christ. That you are literally an ambassador of heaven on this earth. That you are here with a purpose to fulfill and, and, to, and to expand the kingdom of God and to walk as Jesus walked so that your life would be an encouragement to other people to walk by faith and to walk in love, to not walk in fear in any way, right? This is what we're talking about. We have to know the will of God for our life. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, turn there. So if you haven't been here or if you haven't listened to these messages except one time, you, I would encourage you to go back with a notepad and your Bible, with a pen that you could write in your Bible, and for your pastor, please go get a little metal ruler so that you underline straight when you underline the Scriptures, so that when you're witnessing to somebody or you're teaching, you didn't like, you has scribbly lines through the words, and you're like, well, I, you know, right? No, I'm telling you, because this message... This message is designed to equip you to walk out your path so that the body of Christ is built up, right? I want to encourage you to do that. Colossians chapter one, verse nine says this. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now this cease to pray for you is in the continual present tense in the Greek. In other words, Paul is saying to the church at Colossae, since the day I heard of it, your faith and your love for all the saints, right? We never stop praying this for you. Paul is saying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he never stopped praying this for these believers who loved the brothers walking in love and walking by faith. Look at what he prayed continually. I, I do not cease to pray for you, and I do not cease to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. That you might be filled With the knowledge. This word knowledge is is the word of coming to full discernment. This is talking about revelation knowledge. Because you're actually active walking in it. It's coming to full knowledge by your personal involvement. Filled with the knowledge, what? Of his will in all wisdom. In the Amplified Version, it brings out the parenthetical Hebrew definition of the word wisdom, and that is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. God wants you filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Comprehensive insight into the very ways and purposes of God. That's what he wants you. And not only that, and spiritual understanding. The Amplified Classic says this about this word, and discernment of spiritual things. Do you know how many Christians are thinking that God is leading them and the enemy's leading them? They think God's speaking to them, And the enemy is messing with them. We have to have discernment of spiritual things. But to do that, you have to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Comprehensive insight into the ways and very purposes of God. Right? In other words, from this verse, we are to know God's will for our life. We're to know it. Now, am I saying you'll know all of it? Oh, no. No, you'll, specifically, it's one step at a time. Remember that. You're meditating in the word. Revelation knowledge of the word comes. Something is revealed about who God is, who Jesus is, and then you progress. Why? Because the word comes up with light, shows you where you are, and it shows you your next step. And then you keep meditating, reveals who Christ is, shows you again where you are, and shows you your next step. And he'll walk you through the battlefield of life. And this is what gets us into trouble in 2022. Things move so fast, right? You you go to Starbucks and you have to wait 10 minutes. And you're like, are you kidding me? right? You go out, I mean, you, you want a meal and, and I mean, now I don't even have time to make them. So there's companies that will do it for you and bring it to your house, right? I mean, everything is instant, but not with God. So what, what it is, is man, you get revelation. This is what happens to a lot of believers who love the Lord and who are on fire for him. I know this because this has happened to me. It doesn't happen very much anymore. God reveals himself to you as you're meditating in his word. You, you, his word is a lamp to your feet, right? It lights your path and you step. And then he reveals himself. But the enemy, while that's happening, is throwing thoughts in your mind. Come on, you gotta go. We, this, there's an open door. You gotta make this happen right now. Right, God, I, I just, you know, I need to be healed right now. I, I need to, I, I, this pain has to go away right now. And then pretty soon, if you're not careful, you'll get your eyes off the Lord and you'll get your eyes on circumstances and pretty soon you'll start walking like this. And you don't realize it, but now you're walking in your own self. And then all of a sudden, everything blows up. Thank God for his mercy. Because let's say it blows up over here, right? What do you do? Oh, shoot. I got ahead of the Lord. I start meditating in his word. I start speaking his word. Father, I thank you, right, that all my trust is in you. I'm not relying on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I'm acknowledging you, and you're directing my paths. And all of a sudden, when when the enemy got me over here, all of a sudden, I'm back over here. And, the, and it lights my path, and you're like, oh. Over here, he's telling you, man, you are the biggest mess. You're never going to fulfill the plan of God. Look at this. How many times has this happened in your life? Right? You forget all that, and you get your eyes back on Jesus, and it's like you're translated right back into the perfect will of God, and then here it is. And what's really amazing, I know for me, To go forward in ministry, I was not getting to the next step, which I shouldn't say the next step, it was really phase one, right? I'm doing all this stuff in the ministry, but it's not what God wants me to do. He had to literally, for me, get me to step out of ministry and go to work for less money than I was being paid when I was 25 years old, right? to get me here. And what's amazing is when I got here and I stepped in and started doing his will, I didn't didn't go like this spiritually. Because I was in the word all the time, everything. All of a sudden, when I stepped into this thing, I just went like this. And then you just start walking. It's as if I never missed it. The Bible calls it, he redeems the time. The Bible says the enemy has to bring back what he stole. This is what we're talking about. In other words, you haven't blown it. Just, just you gotta get your eyes back on the, on, the, on the word of God. In our circles, I have to say it like this, because so many people are in the word, but they're in the word with their own agenda. And they have so many blind spots because they're living for themselves that they don't see. They really think they're in the will of God. And they're sitting here year after year after year going, why is this not working? And God's over here going, it works if if you'll just come in line with me because I can't line up with you because that's not the plan. Does that make sense? And it's not in big things. It's in little things right? It's about, it's about loving your spouse. It's about making your kids a priority. It's about watching your mouth. It's about beating your flesh black and blue and letting go of things, and, right? And starting to take God at his word and trust him. And, and everything changes when you do that. You know, the hardest thing will be for you guys as ministers is going to be you're going to minister to people that you'll actually see glimpses of how the greatness that's in them and the plan. You'll even see some of these things. You might not see the plan, but you'll see the greatness in them. You'll see the gifts. You'll see all this stuff, and you'll see them, but you can't can't make the decision for them. Right? Right now, in our stream or circles, there are so many believers... That even, I mean, that are even in church that are like, on the outside, they look so good, but on the inside, they're like, this has really never worked for me. And it's simply because of self-centeredness. So you gotta go to the Holy Spirit like I did. I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I have blind spots in my life. And, and it's because of pride, which is because of fear and all this stuff, so Holy Spirit, you gotta help me I've got to get to the point to where I don't have my agenda anymore. And I just, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. It's like you're Paul on the road to Damascus. Right? It's like, it's like I was Paul. I got knocked off the horse, but I just laid on the ground and wallowed in myself. Instead of going, who are you? right? Here's the key word, Lord, and what do you want me to do? And then get up and start walking it out. It'll all be right there for you to just start the process. Today, no matter where you are, you might feel so far away from the plan of God. If you'll make that decision, it'll be like you're, he just places you right back here. He won't take you to step two because he wants you to complete step one. It's a glorious ride. It's a glorious ride. Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 15 and 16 says this. It says, see then, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly. So that means, the Greek word circumspectly means you're looking around, you're taking heed. You're taking heed at what? your surroundings, no, no, you're taking heed to yourself. As I'm walking, I'm taking heed. I'm looking around every arena in my life. Am I walking in love? Am I speaking right? Right? I'm I'm not looking at what other people are doing. It's very simple. For other people, I just walk in love. Period. I can't do any more than that because I got to be focused on keeping my flesh under. I walk circumspectly. Be careful at people who always have a word for somebody else. Be careful of people who are always talking about the word as it pertains to other people but not them. Right? Oh, man, it's so cool that the word says this, and and he wants us to do this and that. No, no, this is what you want to hear when you hear people talk to you. Isn't the word awesome? Man, I'm telling you, you know, God's mercy has been in my life, and as I'm walking, you know, he revealed this scripture to me, and it just changed my life, and, and, you know, I was able to make this adjust. I want to listen to that person all day the person is like well the word says this and pe- other people need to do this and other no 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 brother you are in trouble because your eyes are up too much on other people and you're like well are you kidding me pastor you're a pastor your eyes are supposed to be on other people there's a grace for me to watch over your souls but i stay in that grace i pray for you all the time i speak to god about you all the time but my focus is never leaving Jesus. Because that's the only way I could keep myself. Right? Paul said this, I've got to keep my body under, otherwise I'm going to preach to everybody else and I myself would be a castaway. See, as a pastor, I can't give you what I don't have personally. I can't take you where I have not been. Does that make sense? So see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time in the Greek language is talking about making the best use of your time. Do you think he was talking to us? Because we have more distractions. We have more distractions than every other generation of the church put together times 10. The NIV version, I could, I could do this. The NIV version, it's normally non informational, but in this situation, it says it really well. It it really nails the Greek. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's so important. In other words, we gotta stay alert. We are the only light that will come into the darkness of some people's lives. We're the only light. In other words, we, we are not to have a bad day. Because the bottom line is we're all okay. At the end of the day, even if the enemy takes you out early, wow. You're up in heaven and you're like, darn it, took me out early. And then you start looking around. And then there's Jesus and you're like, You know, it's okay. I forgive myself. (laughs) Jesus like, you want to go back? No. (laughs) But all of a sudden, you'll be standing before the Lord going, wow, I feel wonderful, right? Anyway, we need to make the most of every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. He made it for you. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I'm not going to let my attitude mess up this day so that I miss opportunities for him to move me down my path. See, not just opportunities to minister to other people. Think of it this way. Don't, you don't want to miss opportunities to progress. You are to progress in your path today. Right? That's the goal. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17. The next verse says this. Wherefore be, what? Be not unwise, but understanding. That means comprehending what the will of the Lord is. The Amplified Classic says it this way. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless. Wow, that's interesting. But understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Do you know how many pastors are standing in a pulpit this morning thinking that their church is a mess because there might be nobody there, they might not have any money, everything's going wrong, but you know, Jesus is the head of the church and he is not a mess. And if they'll forget everything that they're seeing and get their eyes on the Lord, Man, the angels will be like, finally, I could go get some money. I could go bring some people. Jesus could start adding and things could start changing. See, don't be thoughtless, right? Don't, don't be unwise. Don't look at what you're seeing. Your business might not be working Listen, go back and go, did God call me to do this? If he did, it's already done in eternity. He's already made me the head and not the tail. I'm already above only and not beneath. So no, Satan, I don't believe what I see. I don't, I'm not going to believe what I see out here. I believe what I see in here because this is real. This can't be changed. Gosh, we got to get this and we got to see this. God never says, not one time, try to figure out my will for your life. He never says try to figure it out. Never says try. He always says do. Right? Right? Why? Because he placed in you the potential. That potential's name is the mighty Holy Spirit. The gifts, the grace, the faith that flows from him, will propel you in everything. Don't go by what you see. You might have been believing something for 40 years. Forget all that. Just start anew today. Realize this is already done. I am laying hold of it. Satan, you're not lying to me anymore. I'm not getting distracted anymore. I'm not going to beat myself up anymore. If you said there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ, I'm in Christ, so I'm not condemning myself anymore. You know, we get upset when a couple people kind of condemn you, right? Like, I think one time, somebody actually, it's so funny, they did a, a review of our church, specifically of me, and they had a picture of me standing by a Christmas tree. I think we had a Christmas tree in here one time. So I, I, I was an idol worshiper and served pagan gods and, and all this stuff. And you know what that means to me? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I don't let it move me what anybody would say about me. I want to to know what he says. But I can tell you, in my life, I might have had a few people not like me. But man, in my life, the number one guy who's condemned me is me. And no more. You get rid of that, you just get rid of the self-condemnation... And you could handle everything the enemy brings against you. Because it's not really coming for you. It's coming for the word. Persecution and affliction. Mark chapter 4. It says it arises for the word's sake. In the Amplified Version it says, Therefore do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. When God's will is mentioned in Scripture, so now we're going to take an aerial view. Every time God's will is mentioned in Scripture, it's most often, almost every time it is mentioned, it's connecting it with doing it. Very rarely will you find anything that talks about God's will that doesn't end in the context of that passage where you do something with it. I mean, it's always walking it out. Because God's got a plan for your life. So in context, the only way that we can effectively manifest God's light to our generation is to know the will of God for us personally, individually, and also to know the will of God for mankind generally. So I've got, in order for me to manifest light to this generation, this season that I'm in, I must know God's will for my life. And I've got to know the general will of God for mankind. You realize in pulpits, it's being preached that the general will of God for for man's life is that you can't know it. Because God's sovereign and His ways are higher and you just never know what He's going to do. I just spoke a bunch of partial truths. you got to keep reading. It says, no, no, no. Yeah, His ways are higher, but He reveals His ways by His Spirit, which dwells in me. We are to know, no, no. I look at my life, my whole life, now that I understand these principles, my whole life, I could see God there every time. I saw exactly what he was doing and exactly how I walked the other way. And exactly how I didn't have to. And exactly how he got me back in the right place. Because he loves me. Why does he do all this stuff? Because he loves you, he's for you. That will never change. Isn't that amazing? He knows you. When you say something wrong or do something wrong, he's there. He's there to help you adjust and repair and just get back on the path and start walking. But man, as you keep getting to know him, you'll notice that you won't have to adjust and repair as much. Because you'll start to realize, wait, sin doesn't dominate me. As a matter of fact, nothing in this earth realm is to dominate me. So you're not ever to be in lack. You're not ever to walk in sickness and disease. And if it attacks you illegally, you have a legal right to get it out of your life. And whatever you've lost by that illegal attack, Satan's got to bring it back. Save all those medical bills. Take them times seven and start rejoicing. It is one thing to get in the will of God... But it's another thing to stay in the will of God. Peace and satisfaction are a result of remaining in the will of God. Some people get in the will of God and then they jump right out of it. But peace and satisfaction is when you're in the will of God. All hell's breaking loose. You don't even care because it doesn't. It's like it's like you're fighting an ant. And you just go like this. You're not worried about the ant anymore. The pressure is all on him. It's not on me. Do you know Satan is under your feet? The pressure is all on him. The Bible says he's living in a way where he knows his time is so short and he knows his future. The pressure's all on him. Right? And I don't feel sorry for him at all. At all. Hate him. Hate him in the morning. Hate him in the midday. Hate him when the sun goes down. Right? Love everybody else, but hate him. Not going to let him anywhere in my life. See, God's will is that you grow and that you go higher. See, some people feel like they need a geographical move. But what they really need is a move on the inside. It's called change. It's a change of focus. Right? That was me. I'm always thinking, man, if I could just do this or do this or go here or go there, then forget all that. God wants you to enjoy every step of the way, knowing that I'm in the will of God, on my way to the will of God. I don't ever get out of the will of God. That's His life for you. And the world needs to hear this. Actually, they need to see this. Right? So, Colossians chapter 1, we kind of started this sermon, didn't we? Where where did we go through? Colossians, verse 9. Well, we've got through verse 9. Are you excited? Let's look at verse 10, Colossians chapter one, verse 10. So let me read verse nine to you just so that I keep it in context. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's verse nine, now verse 10. That, you gotta be filled with knowledge in, in all wisdom and understanding, right? The knowledge of his will. That, or so that, you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering suffering with joyfulness. I get filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that I can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. In other words, he is just pleased with everything because I am laying hold of everything he's provided for me. I'm fruitful in every good work and actually while I'm walking out the plan... Not only was I filled, but see it's continual present tense, I'm still being filled. I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. And what happens then, I'm strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. It sounds a lot like Ephesians. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're never to be strong in yourself. Isn't that good news? Why? Because our our position in this is to rest. So many Christians, they're working so hard to try to attain instead of realizing that they've already attained and now it's just a matter of them being led by the Spirit of God as they walk out their path and they'll lay hold of everything. Wow. Look Look at this verse Well, let's, let's, instead of going there, let's, I was going to go to another translation, but let's do something else. There's two influences that you're going to have to deal with as you walk through life. You're going to have to deal with the influence of earthly wisdom. The earthly wisdom will try to influence you to get you to look at everything through the eyes of the world system. Romans chapter 12 says, don't let let yourself be pressed into the mold of the world. This earthly wisdom. The other influence is godly wisdom. So let's look at this. James chapter 3, verse 13. This will help you so much. Boy, we need to slow that clock down, man. James chapter 3, verse 13. Talking about earthly wisdom. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. This word in the Greek means, let him show out of a good manner of life. In other words, you can see wisdom, the wisdom of God in a man's life. Right? So now look at this. His works with meekness of wisdom. So that's kind of talking about godly wisdom. But then he says... This, look at verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. And now it's gonna tell you the source of this bitter envying and strife in your hearts. This is the source. The source is not the person that hurt you. It's not the thing that happened to you. This is the source. It says, this wisdom descends not from above but is earthly that means it's not from heaven it's sensual it ignites your flesh when something happens in your life that makes no sense why did this bad thing happen to me as a child of god why did god allow this what's happening is that earthly wisdom is igniting your flesh It's devilish. Not only is it earthly, it's from the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. I'm mad at God. You're mad at God when you should be mad at the devil because it came from him. And you're in a bad place. Totally deceived. Thank God you have the Holy Spirit on the inside, and if you'll put the word in your heart, he'll open it and light your path. For where there is envying and strife, and where for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So, this earthly wisdom, it's not from heaven, it always results in envy, which is jealousy and strife. Jealousy. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? It happened to me. Yeah, and you'll come to church. And you'll be like, you know, why is my back not healed? And eight people will come up to you and start, hey man, man, this week I hurt my back and God healed me right away. And you're looking at them. And then, and then the enemy will go, did you notice they're not even as spiritual as you are? And then you'll be like, yeah. And you'll, and, and jealousy gets birthed and strife and it gets confusing. Then all of a sudden it's like, why did God allow this? And then you'll run into, you know, a wonderful person, a wonderful Christian who goes to a church where they've been filled by their pastor that, well, you know, God's ways are higher. And God, you know, he blesses some, but he doesn't bless others. And you'll notice, you won't even notice that they don't quote scripture. Right? See, this is very important. Jealousy. Here's here's an example of jealousy. See, we think of jealous as, man, I'm really jealous of Pastor Dave. Why does he have to have the scratchy heart? (laughs) Illustration. But this is is a form, this is what we think. That is jealousy. But, But here's another form. God, I'm believing you to prosper so that others can think highly of me. I need to... I'm believing you for this car because that way people will look at me like I'm successful. That's a form of jealousy. God, I'm believing you for the promotion because, you know, Joe over here has been eating my lunch and I just want to get it and and I want to stay ahead of him. Be careful about that. This is why as a Christian... It's like, hey, Joe, man, I'm praying for you. Because you know that the will of God is already done in your life. And the Holy Spirit's just laying it out. And Joe doesn't, God doesn't have to take away from Joe to bless you. Right? All of a sudden, Joe gets that position. And all of a sudden, what you didn't know is now Joe's working 25 hours more a week. And you are kind of under the radar and then all of a sudden, God gives you some idea, and all of a sudden, you look at the end of the year, and wow, your income is double of what Joe's is. But it came from other sources. See, that's why we just, you, that's the God's ways are higher than our ways. But he'll reveal them to you. Right? Are you guys getting this? This is, this is good. Strife. Causes fights, divisions, contentions, confusions. Earthly wisdom is based on your feelings and emotions. Earthly wisdom is of the soul. The mind, the will, and the emotions. Earthly wisdom brings confusion and every evil work. You see bitter envying and strife in earthly wisdom. And that always brings confusion to everything. So let's get out of the earthly thing. Let's go to verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first, first. So God said, Hey, this is the first thing you got to understand about my wisdom. First, it's pure it's pure. What does that mean? There is nothing confusion. There is nothing confusing in my wisdom, God says. There is no confusion. Wow. Then as if that's not good enough, then it's peaceable. What does that mean? Godly wisdom will bring people together. Why do we have such a great environment in our church? Because we've got a number of people walking in godly wisdom. It just brings people together. And the more we grow in this, the more intimate our church will be. It's gentle and easy to be entreated. Wow. This word entreated means to be submissive. In other words, the wisdom of God is real easy to submit to. Have you noticed God doesn't beat you up if you don't read the word first thing in the morning or if you're not walking by faith, you don't just get slapped by some invisible force? (laughs) No, because his wisdom is gentle. It's peaceable. He loves you, right? Look at this. It's full of mercy and good fruits, And here's another thing. It's without partiality. See, the wisdom of God gives you the ability to be every man's equal. You look at everybody the same. I remember at one point early in our church, it was the first or early second year, you know, uh, I was told by a a lovely couple that had a lot of money uh, that They wanted to get behind the purchase of a building, and if I didn't, then they wouldn't be able to support the church anymore, and we're in a cafeteria, and you know, I I just looked at them and said, guys, I love you so much. If you need to be part of a church where money, your your money is going to influence, bring influence, it's not ever going to be this church. You know, like when you go into the all-in event, you're gonna notice, you're not gonna sign on a dotted line, okay, to be a member of this church, I gotta tithe. No, no. Now, we encourage you to tithe. We encourage you to honor God in your finances because otherwise your whole life will be dark, the Bible says. But you'll get all the pastoral care. You know, when I'm praying for people, I pray for people that have never given as much as I pray for people that that are big givers. Right? Well, you're sitting here going, well, wait a minute, do you look at all that? No. Nope. I just pray for people on the list. The only time I ever look at giving is with with our ministry staff once a year i'll look at everything just to make sure people are tithing cuz we're not going to have anybody ministering the word or being, you know, having a position of a certain position without honoring god. why? well that won't bring any life. and it's kind of a joke with this group of people because, you know, they honor god in their finances. that's why a lot of them you look at their life and go gosh, i wish i had their life. you can. right? but it's it's without partiality. I'm telling you, with the wisdom of God, race is such an issue in the world, race becomes a beautiful thing, because you could relate to every race. At Rama, there was what, uh, a flag presentation, they brought all these flags of 54 different nations where Ramas are at, and people dressed in their... Uh, the garb of uh, the way they dress in their country and I mean it's just amazing they've had they've had uh, at at different times they've had a worship team up there with like 12 worship leaders and they would all worship and sing the same song in different languages you're I can't even it comes upon me the first time I heard it I just I just wept because I'm like oh my gosh this is like heaven people go around seeing yo you're not supposed to see color oh no 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 i see it i love it i'm a little jealous of some of it cuz i got to go lay on a beach or something to get a little brown just a little bit right but literally the wisdom of god it's not partial you love everybody even that person that their personality just kind of rubs you the wrong way, you're sitting there loving on them, going, That's amazing. It's wonderful. That's why the church, every race, every color, should come in here and experience equality. What do I mean, equality? I'm talking God equality. Like, like hey, young man, young woman, old man, old woman, this race, that race. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's amazing. Hallelujah. It says here, and without hypocrisy, in other words, it's sincere. And then it says this, and the fruit of righteousness, it's sown in peace. See, you, if, if righteousness is a tree, Peace would be the fruit. So when you go through things and fruit is born in your life, you can't give that fruit away if you're not at peace. If you're stressed, you know what you'll do? You don't have time. And you'll walk by the person who needs your fruit and you won't even see that they need your fruit. But boy, I'm telling you, but the fruit of righteousness that's sown in peace of them that make peace. In other words, the wisdom of God. Never forget this. The Lord spoke this to me. The wisdom of, a, of God is the result of pursuing righteousness. Because it's, and what do I mean pursuing righteousness? This is how you pursue righteousness. Father, I am so thankful that Jesus was made to be sin so that I could be made your very righteousness. I thank you that my sins are erased and gone and I could stand before you, a holy God, who is my heavenly Father, in righteousness. I could come boldly to your throne of grace knowing that you're well pleased with me. Right? Right? You're pursuing that. Because in righteousness, you are fixed and immovable. Nothing can move you. So let me go fairly quickly, because I want to talk about things. There's some things in your life that are not to govern your life, and they are not to influence your life, and they are not to motivate your life. So if you're taking notes, I would write, they are not to govern influence, and motivate you? And I'm going to give you the list. The first one is peer pressure. These are like roadblocks to keep you from seeing your vision. Are you allowing peer pressure to govern, influence, and motivate your life? And peer pressure tries to do that to every age. You don't grow out of this. Another question to ask yourself to see if if this is working in your life, are you seeking others' approval? Are you more concerned about pleasing others than you are about pleasing God? Right? Right? In John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43, it says this. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. John 12, verse 42 and 43. It says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. It's all right to enjoy the praise of men. Just don't go too far into that where you're enjoying it at the expense of pleasing the Lord. Right? Here's number two. Tradition. We think we're charismatic Christians. We don't have traditions. Oh, we have all the same. We have a lot of junk. Because we all have flesh. Right? Are you governed are you motivated or are you influenced by tradition? Traditional ways of thinking and acting. Not willing to go a new way that God would lead you in. For some, do you know how many are stuck? Are, they're stuck, they're like, I, I can't even look at this Holy Spirit baptism thing because... Right? Right? And they're cutting themselves off. The next one would be circumstances. This is a big one. Are your circumstances governing you, influencing you, and motivating you? That's a big one, because circumstances, man, they will talk to you all the time. Some think that if something is hard, then it's not God's will. right? Everything that God calls you to, you literally see no way. What's on the inside of me, I know there is no way I could bring this to pass. I also know I'm going to stand before God someday and completely, he's going to look at me, the head of the church is going to judge my works and he's going to expect me to have literally yielded all my fruit in my season and I don't have any ability to do that in myself and i'm so excited about that cuz i don't want to do anything alone like right now i if i wish every one of you could feel what i feel on the inside right now it's just a flow it's him all the time he's there all the time when i'm alone man i start stirring it up and he's he's always stirred I think he grabs onto my tear ducts a lot. Improper thought process. Here it is. God's will is easy. God's will feels good. And God's will is peaceful. Now, here's the reality of it is. God's will is easy. It's good. It feels good. And it is peaceful. But you've got to get through your flesh. The only way to know that is to walk in the Spirit. But if you, if you expect it in your flesh and in your natural mind, Satan will throw hard, not feeling good, and stressful on top of it. But you got to remain asleep in the boat. Some believers are so flesh-ruled... <laughs> I hate when I have to tell them myself... So this is something that, this statement I learned very personal from the head of the church talking directly to me. Tony, you are so flesh ruled. I'm like, oh gosh, right? Some believers are so flesh ruled that they cannot tell the difference between a release in their spirit or relief in their flesh. And there's a big difference, because I'm telling you, when you walk with God and you get a release in your spirit, your flesh is of non-issue. You cannot determine the will of God by your circumstances. That's not how he does it. Circumstances are part of this world system, and therefore they can be manipulated by the enemy. Here's another one. Crisis, is crisis, is a crisis governing, influencing, and motivating your life? If you've ever been in a crisis, that's a circumstance on steroids in a negative way. Crisis is, if this doesn't change, bad things happen quick, right? If you wanna know about a crisis, there's a difference between a circumstance and a crisis, isn't there, Fran and Bud? Yeah, a little bit of a difference. They've been, but they've been through a crisis. And, they're, and, and they, they came out good. Getting better every day. Amen. Satan still has to return a whole bunch of stuff. And it is coming. Yes, because it's already done in the spirit realm. Some people want to do their own thing and live their own life most of the time. Am I talking to anybody? Our flesh wants to do that all the time. They only want God's direction, help, and deliverance when crisis comes, and that's no way to live, right? The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him, that live a life of reverence, honor, and respect, and the angel of the Lord is there to deliver them. Here's another one. Temptation and deception. The twins. Temptation and deception. Deception. Are these things governing, influencing, or motivating your life? If there's an addiction there, we know the temptation. Man, it'll just, is it, is it motivating you? Is it influencing you, right? Is it governing you? This has been here since the Garden of Eden, right? Do we really need to read about Eve? Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent, right? The Hebrew word for serpent means snake. It means tempter, and this is a real interesting meaning in the Hebrew language. It gives us a picture of one who deals with and puts thoughts in the mind. Sounds a little bit like Satan, doesn't it? He was more subtle, he was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but why is she talking to him? God told him, you have dominion and subdue it. She should have just said, shut up and get out. You are way beneath me. I'm not even going to talk to you. Right? Don't ever talk to Satan unless you are saying three words at the beginning of it. It is written. Right? Right? And then she said, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The word die means in dying you shall die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. See, Satan always comes against God's word. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. See, Satan is always giving options. He will come to you and tell you, it's okay, you don't have to read the word today, you're just too tired. You're too tired to go to church. Listen, you need more money, you need to get this, you need to work so that you can no longer be in ministry. He'll, he'll give you all kinds of options. If you're married, he'll try to give you options if you let him. Right? But, but we are to live with There's only one option. What does the word of God say? And then, and when the woman saw, look at this, after listening to Satan, she started seeing things. In other words, Satan had planted a vision inside of her, gave her an option. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, right? Eve had a wrong perception, A distorted perception. She all of a sudden looked at this tree wrong. That it was pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eyes. And it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. See, We have to see everything through the filter of the word of God. 1 John 2, verse 16 and 17 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof but he that does the will of God abides forever. Why am I saying this? Because you cannot be fully led by God if you are being led by something else. Do you see that? This is huge, and nothing compares to him. So let's talk about another one real quick as we're kind of coming down the road here. Sin. Sin is a big one. It's a roadblock is sin governing, influencing, and motivating your life. Sin is more than an isolated action. It's a state. It's a condition. It's a spiritual force. It's a spiritual force that is full of alienation and separation from God. Now, for you as a Christian, it won't separate your relationship because you're saved. But it'll separate your fellowship. God doesn't ever want that. I'll read one scripture about this. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 7. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Why? Because Abel brought his first. The tithe is not 10%, it's the first 10th, right? But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, he was very angry. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, look at this, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, look at this, Sin lies at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule or have dominion over him. So let's look at this in the New Living Translation because it brings clarity to the Greek. God is saying, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right, But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Have you ever been controlled by sin? We all know what that's like. Right? But you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, church, the the dominion of sin has been broken off you. You must walk as a master of sin never allowing it in your life. 2 Peter 2.19, man, is it okay for me to quote the NIV two times in one day? (laughs) 2 Peter 2.19 says this, They promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves to depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. We are never to let sin master us. Hallelujah hallelujah I'm going to do one more your flesh pastor come on give me a break I'm hungry okay let's talk about your flesh (laughs) is your flesh governing motivating right you right now influencing you are you thinking about the way those pancakes smell with the syrup on them and the eggs and the bacon oh man extra crispy right you know all that stuff are you thinking about that right now now this service is over. <laughs> First Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3.1, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, body ruled, undeveloped, even as unto babes in Christ. So Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. Four years after, he planted the church there. He expected them to be spiritually mature. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, and even now, four years later, you're not able to bear it, for you're carnal, your body ruled, you're being mastered by sin, you're being controlled by your flesh, you're undeveloped, for where is there is, and this is how you know if your flesh is governing you, is there envy that deals with your thought life, is there strife, it's dealing with what you say, are there divisions that's dealing with what you do? Are you, if you let your flesh lead you, you're gonna, you're gonna be not thinking right, not speaking right, and not doing right, right? A baby and a child look at the world as they walk. A baby Christian and a child Christian looks at the world as they walk through life. A mature believer looks at the word as they walk through life. Spiritual growth, though, is never a function of time. So those of us who are a little bit older, don't look at us and think we're spiritually mature because we're older. Because sometimes you could look at somebody 80 years old and they're in diapers with a pacifier spiritually because they've chosen to never develop themselves. It's not a function of time. Spiritual growth is a function of our commitment to God. Our commitment to God causes us to have a desire and a willingness to grow through God's word. Spiritual maturity is based on the quality of spiritual development that has taken place, and there's no shortcuts. Spiritual maturity is evidenced by the degree that you walk in the love of God. You could see spiritual maturity, the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the forgiveness towards others you can see it right Galatians 5:16 literally says this walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the, de- uh, the desires of your flesh you can't be led by the spirit of God if you're driven by your flesh hmm your body though in closing it's not your enemy Your body is your badge of authority to be in the earth. You need a body to be here. But your body is not to be your master. It is to be your servant. These hands are not to hurt people. They're to lay hands and heal people. Right? You are to run your body. You're never to be run by your body. Your spirit and your renewed mind will dominate your flesh. So carnality is a result of an undeveloped spirit, right? I haven't developed my spirit. It's a result of an unrenewed mind. You have an undeveloped spirit and an unrenewed mind, you will have out of control flesh, right? Boy, don't even let me talk about emotions. I hope this has helped you today Man, this is a, a, a bucket full of treasures that will help you. There's roadblocks, guys, but the Holy Spirit knows every one of them and will lead you right through. You don't, have to, you don't ever have to be blocked. He'll remove every one of them. Amen?